This is part two of the Tommy Olson interview. I think so. I haven't heard any anybody complain. No, that's that's fine. That's fine. I I talk better than anything I do, so I don't mind it. But uh, anyhow, getting back to, he said I got the winter dance party coming up, and he wasn't didn't seem to be worried about the weather nor the you know. He just it was another tour to him. We were playing small venues. Hang on, I got a cough again. <coughs> uh, they were small venues and. Uh, uh, they were like dances, dance show dances, and uh, but I think he he probably was needing some money, and uh, at least they've played that up real big that he was broke, you know. And uh, well, he wasn't broke; he had all the talent, and he had a, a trunk full of songs. But uh, maybe he was needing some cash, you know. And uh, yeah, I know I know exactly what we were getting. Uh, well, it's well known. I mean, it's documented. He, he was getting twenty five hundred dollars a week for six shows, and out of that, he was paying me two hundred and fifty dollars. He was paying Waylon two hundred, and he was paying Carl one hundred and fifty, and that was it. Uh, back in those days, of course, you could buy you could buy a new uh, Chevrolet back then for twenty one hundred dollars. So that it doesn't seem like a lot of money now. But it was a lot of money at the time. Well, you know, the the reward was coming later. I think I think a lot of the reason he went on the tour was. Uh, to stay in grace, good graces with Irving Fail, where he could, you know, he could be his manager and guide his career. You know, I think he, that that was in the back of his head because we talked about that every day. You know, like this is going to happen, this is going to happen, and this is going to loosen up. And we're going to do this and that, and you know, and it was all based on the fact that they were going to be his managers. Well, but we put a bass in his hand, and Buddy said, "You're going to play bass," so he became a bass player. Uh, he was really a bass holder, and then I taught him some uh, some kind of a short. I said, if you'll just think about it as your guitar, Waylon, just think of those notes, those bass notes, you'll get by. And so he did. Waylon, Waylon had never, I, I taught him, like I said, just think about you playing your guitar on the bass strings, your guitar, picking the bass strings in whatever key you're in, and just pretend you're playing the guitar. And think of that. Think of it as a guitar rather than a bass. The big four strings on a guitar he would do good except he'd forget the keys and i have to tell him and in all the pictures taken on all those shows the pictures have shown up i'm looking at waylon and people say you weren't looking out at the crowd he's always looking at waylon and my answer was well i was probably telling him the changes to the songs you know so and i feel like i was because i had to had to tell him every night just about you know frankie sardo would open up the show and then uh Dion and the Belmonts would come on, and then Richie Valens would perform, and then the Big Bopper, and then uh, Buddy Holly. Buddy ended the sh- he, we did He was like the final act each night. And uh, Buddy had the only really part of the show that was more than three or four songs. Frankie Sardo, I think he only did a couple, three songs. And Dion, Dion and the Belmonts only did three or four or five, and the Big Bopper didn't do many more than that. And Richie had probably a half a dozen at the most and we'd, we'd end up probably doing 12 15 songs each night the backing band was Waylon, me and uh, carl we backed everybody on the show yeah the, the three of us and the, when the bopper came out well uh we had a saxophone player out of chicago would come out and work with a bopper and then uh when frankie sardo sang we had a trumpet player from chicago and we'd have it like a trumpet and sax because he he was kind of a bobby darren type act you know 
other than that, well, the four of us backed all that people, you know. Or the three of us, really, just three guys, you know. And we didn't know that until we got to Chicago. When we started that tour, we left New York City on a train coming to Chicago, and we got to Chicago to the rehearsal hall. And the guy, the one of the promoter, the road manager, said, Hey, uh, I didn't I need to, you guys to come over an hour early today because you got to rehearse with some of the other people. But he said, What the hell are you talking about? He said, Well, we've got to have a backup band, and uh, some band they had hired didn't show, or maybe they didn't have them hired. Probably didn't, you know. So we had ended up backing up everybody. So, no, uh-uh. Wasn't nothing said about extra money. No, no, he didn't. No, he didn't have to get out there and play. But on the last night, he did. He did play drums for Richie Valens. And there's pictures that's going to be available this year at, at the Clear Lake, showing Buddy playing drums behind Richie and uh, Richie playing drums behind Buddy. And uh, you know those those will be out this year. Well, we pr- we practiced two or three days in New York before we got out on the road, and uh, uh, but Waylon knew Buddy's songs, and Carl knew them. You know, uh, we had a chance to go through all of them, and we actually in New York we learned uh, uh, really doesn't matter anymore. We learned uh, I got to travel on by Billy Grammer. He won't start all of his shows off with that song, and other than that, we just uh, you know he'd just grab one of his songs and we'd do it. You know. Yeah, right. It had just come out, yeah. That was his new record. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, we had it worked out pretty good. Uh, certainly didn't sound like the record, but was close to it. Carl was 17. He's the same age as Richie. They was both 17 years old. Carl was from Odessa, and I was I was uh, helping a little rock and roll band there get started, Ronnie Smith, and uh, I was trying to get him going, and... Uh, I had when I had my Western Swing band there at that club in Odessa, and Carl played drums with Ronnie Smith. Well, we started out in Chicago on these old wore-out buses. They had been old uh, uh, passenger buses, like uh, Greyhound. Well, they weren't Greyhounds; they were some other line and uh, Trailways. Yeah, tra- Trailways buses, and they were worn out. And we'd get on them, and the day we left Chicago, we only had a few miles going. We froze going fifty miles, you know, to Milwaukee, and uh, Boy, after that, every other night we'd we'd complain so much about freezing. They'd send out another bus from Chicago. Well, it was the same deal, you know. And I think we'd had five buses when when the the guys got killed. We'd had already been on five different buses. And uh, one night we the bus broke down. We didn't even run into town, and we had to get a school bus to take us to the next job. So they rented a school bus from the local town people, and. Uh, then uh, they'd meet us there with another wore-out bus from Chicago. They were, that was pretty pretty ratty-looking buses, you know. Certainly not like today's. This concludes Part 2 of the Tommy Alsop interview. Part 3 is available next. <laughs>